0: All right. Uh, welcome to the uh, Eric J. The Great Podcast Show. Got uh two special guests on the uh show today. Um, Helen and um director uh Phil. How you doing?
1: I'm doing fine, sir. How are you?
0: Yeah, uh, doing uh, doing okay. Just uh taking it day by day.
1: Amen to that. Well, it's it's a real pleasure to have this opportunity to direct this show for Helen and for the university and um i would you know i don't know how much you know about the show but it is an original piece and helen has done all the research and finding these characters and fleshing them out and devising an amazing script that uh, and these are characters that everyone are going to be endeared to they're gonna really want to know more about them and there's a lot going on in this play about in terms of um Things that was happening in America during the eighteen hundreds, middle eighteen hundreds, eighteen sixty five. So there's, it's just an amazing piece of work for two people, and it's basically about their life struggle uh, during and after the post Civil War era. And, I, and I'm gonna ask Helen to tell you more about the, as uh, she she has written this piece, and it is absolutely. An amazing piece of work.
2: Thank you, Philip.
1: I can talk more about myself. Um, I don't know how much you know about me, but I'm a professional actor, director, writer, and producer from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and um, I attended. I graduated from WKU in Bowling Green, and uh, my degree is in theater and speech. And then I moved to New York for a while. Attended a dramatic american academy of dramatic arts in 1979 and returned back to louisville to to start performing in 1980 in the humana festival here at Actors theater with john Joy directing i was in the the second humana festival play festival in a play called they're coming to make it brighter which was an amazing amazing piece of work um and that sort of launched my career here locally because I went on to perform at Actors Theater many, many, for many decades, as well as uh, stage One, the Little Children's Theater in the Kentucky Shakespeare Festival. I uh, started over there in 1980 and performed all the way up until 2008. And I performed um, Othello, the title lead in Othello there, as well as Macbeth in 04 and 05. And uh, I performed in 23 of Shakespeare's 37 professionally. I also taught with Whitney M. Young Scholars Program uh, for about 25 years. Uh, the classes were Bell and I had exceptional students there. I taught with Kentucky Governor's School for the Arts. I was a faculty member from 1990 through 2001, and I still have a Currently, I have a great relationship with GSA, helping them with the recruitment. I was uh, taught at the U Performing Arts School, uh, the Young Actors Institute for 29 years, a teacher and former director of that program. Walden Theater, eight years as education director and teacher of acting. And I taught the New Performing Arts Program that went around the state teaching arts and humanities so I got a wonderful opportunity to go into schools all around the state elementary middle and high and teach um, the arts and humanities elements of performance elements of drama and production and that kind of thing it was really a wonderful opportunity to connect with kids all over the state and that's why I was so good with recruitment for government school for the arts also because I had those opportunities in addition to my um I've mainly talked about a lot of my education work, but I've worked quite a bit as an actor and film, television and stage. I've worked with um, notable actors such as Brian Dennehy and Raquel Welsh, John Foyd, Melanie Griffith, Ashley Judd, Al Pacino, Morgan Freeman, Nicholas Cage. Um, and most of those are in Hallmark and Lifetime movies except for the um, the one with Al Pacino was, uh, was filmed here in Louisville by Jeffrey Weigand, and um, I was a script reader and FBI agent. And um, the one I did with, worked on with Morgan Freeman was in, filmed in Portland, Oregon, a film called The Feast of Love. I was a stand-in for Morgan, so I was on the set with Morgan daily. It's a great opportunity. And the one with Nicholas Cage, I played law enforcement officer. Uh, Mom and Dad was filmed here at Louisville in 2017. And um, I'm casting two films in LA that I'm going to go out after the first of the year and start working on. And these are movies written, directed, and produced by Shane Woodson, who was also a Louisville product came up through the Brown School and the Youth Performing Arts School. And uh, so it's just a real pleasure and an honor to get a chance to work with, with him uh, in LA. And that kind of, you know, just, just a brief uh, description of who I am, what I've been doing over the last 45 years or so. Um, and so, yeah. Any questions for me? You want to tell them?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, everything. Oh. I perform Fences down in Florida. I, I perform all over the country, so I'm just kind of getting you a local
0: viewpoint what I've been doing. Okay, yeah, we'll get into uh, Helen's backstory uh, and then we'll transition into uh, the uh, the documentary that you guys are working on and uh, how that came about and, you know, when they're supposed to drop and more details and things like that. So, uh, uh, Helen, just uh, tell the people where you're from and um uh, just give a backstory, you know, how you grew up, you know, some struggles you might have to go through growing up as a kid, you know, um, from your hometown, things like that.
2: Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Phil. Um, Something that Phil told me about going back to his um, experiences outside of theater was that his father um, was the first African-American photographer for The Courier, correct, Phil?
1: That's right. And the book just came out this week from the uh, Lobe Defender. I uh, have a copy for you, Helen. Uh, it's an amazing book that features a lot of my dad's photography. He photographed uh, Muhammad Ali and Dr. Martin Luther King and the race riots mm-hmm. of the 60s. And he really uh, photojournalized a lot of important and historic uh, uh, things that happened in our community. So thank you for mentioning that. Yes, yeah. the book is out. It's on the shelves. It's on the bookstores.
2: yeah so I um I was really honored to meet Phil going back to um kind of my background and the the roots that I come from I got into theater at a really young age I was only like seven years old and um my mom I'm biracial so on my father's side um his family and that's another reason this work is so important to me um was enslaved and this is like uh, my great-grandfather, so um, my father's grandfather, and then his father was a sharecropper, and then my father was born in 47, so he also sharecropped as a young boy, so coming from those roots, um, and then growing up in California, my father served as well, And um, he was stationed out at Castle Air Force Base. This is in Atwater, California, which is the neighboring city um, to my hometown where I was born called Merced, California. And it's like an agricultural community. um, But my dad kind of transplanted there with the military. And I was raised in a household where the story and the narrative of um, not just slavery, but of servitude, of indentured servitude, of sharecropping was kind of something that like I learned about as a child um, in a lot of ways, I think a lot of my generation, um, you know, those stories, cause my father had me when he was older. So it's like, I learned things that not the average, you know, kid growing up would really like know that much about. And so I kind of, um, I've always had a passion for it. I'm biracial. And so on my mom's side, um, she grew up in Ohio and her father um, worked for NASA. So getting back to the theater story, when I was a little girl, I applied for this scholarship, it was a writing contest uh, when I was seven, and it was to go to space camp for NASA, and I said I wanted to go, and that (laughs) I thought it would be so cool to follow in my grandfather's footsteps and work for NASA, and I was awarded the scholarship, it was like a summer camp, but then they found out that I was only seven, and I guess the cutoff was like eight, so they're like, no, we're so sorry, you can't have this scholarship, but Um, you can have the scholarship to College for Kids, which is a program where for children where I'm from. And um, one of the things was a summer theater camp. And so it's kind of by fate that I ended up even in the theater. Um, And so I took that and I played an elf um, in The Hobbit. That was my first performance. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) And then, you know, fast forward to like college. Um, the first like major role I did was the play Antigone. Um, I played Antigone and I ended up getting my um, my bachelor's in theater out in California at Stanislaus. Um, I played quite a few roles, not as many as Philip in Shakespeare. I was Lady Macbeth in Macbeth. Um, and I've really had such a passion for theater and doing plays that um, have already been done. But coming to U of L, and I'm getting my MFA at U of L right now. And there's um, an African American theater program there, Um, and so learning more about like the works of Lorraine Hansberry, which I don't know if you've ever read like *A Raisin in the Sun* as a kid or heard the play before. Is that familiar to you? No. No. Okay. So. She is, you know, a famous playwright and uh, she was the first African-American female to be produced on Broadway. Um, And so learning about her and about August Wilson and about African-Americans who kind of reclaimed our narrative um, because we were coming out of like minstrelsy and uh, gone with the wind and stories of the black narrative told through a white lens and without like the input of like our own voices. And so it just became really important to me and then being here um, where not only are there uh, plantations and historical places where slavery existed, but these stories that have kind of been like left out and not remembered like Lucy and Thorin. And so it kind of came full circle. And I was like, well, I want to tell the story. Um, It resonates with my family history and Philip was just so wonderful and like agreeing to direct the show and has really helped with production as well. Um, so that's that's how it was born. And then yeah, we're here with you today. So.
0: so as far as um, so you said so is it a show like as far as having one? Yeah, it's a something? show.
2: It's a play at Locust Grove. Yeah, and so um, I play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to do a live performance, but um, there is we are in talking and in the works of doing a, so right now there's a play script, um, but a screenplay is also being worked on. So that's when it would become, and I like that you said documentary. Um, I don't know that it would be per se a documentary, but like a docudrama, like something that is talking about historical fact um, and kind of paying homage to the different people along the way. And so I don't, I could maybe give you like a brief rundown of the story of Lucy and Thornton. We kind of talked before the interview about them, but um, basically Lucy and Thornton were enslaved in Louisville. They met while they were enslaved and then they fell in love. Um, There's uh, kind of conflicting research on whether they were actually married when they were enslaved but essentially um, they had a union and they decided, to, um, to run away together. Lucy's owner passed away. And when he passed away, she, uh, Lucy was gonna be sold away to the South. And so um, to basically save her from that fate, Thornton and her escaped. Um, and when they ended up in Detroit, what was fascinating to me about their story, and that more people don't know about them, um, the first race riots occurred um, because slave catchers came up from Kentucky to capture them and bring them back. And the people um, were against it. They had a trial. And when they gave a guilty verdict and sentencing Thornton to servitude back in the South, they essentially rioted and um, helped them to escape. So um, they ended up in Canada. And then in Canada, they lobbied the Canadian government to um, assist runaway slaves to get up north and then into Canada and they offered them um, like the laws were changed so that these escaped runaways could have protections under the Canadian law because up until that point the U.S. could extradite those um, escaped enslaved back to the U.S. and so they were really like instrumental in so many ways in changing like the landscape of slavery and also like of the U.S. you know our constitution so I think um it's just like one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. So I was like, I want to tell this story. Yeah.
0: Yes. So do y'all have an um a name for it already?
2: Yes. Yeah. It's Lucy and Thornton.
0: Okay, okay.
2: I didn't know if that was the name or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The and, name of the two main characters. Right. It's unoriginal, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. and, um, how many um do y'all have a lot of moving pieces in this uh in this play, and also uh kind of give like a uh Do y'all have like a timeline on when you expect to uh present this publicly or? Yeah.
2: Um, so there are a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving characters. Mm-hmm. I'll let Phillip speak um to like his direction and his stylizing of the play um because I did write the play, but I'm not the, Philip's the director. Um, But as far as the timelines, I can speak to that and then give it over to Philip. The Timelines that we're looking at are the end of February and the beginning of March um, to have this show up. And then we'll definitely send those dates over to you. Um, And I honestly, Locust Grove has been so wonderful and integral in this part. So the performances will be held there. Um, There's also, a local caterer um, by the name of Garden Girl. I don't, are you familiar with her? No, no. So she is a wonderful, Whitney is amazing. Um, she essentially grows in her garden, um, seasonal crops. And then she teaches anyone that really wants to come and learn. Um, she teaches them how to harvest the crops, how to care for the crops. And then she also teaches them how to prepare them in the kitchen how to can them and so she also does catering events and her food is all fresh um, and it's just an amazing opportunity to you know kind of collaborate with a local African-American business owner so she's offered to cater for the show so it's going to be kind of like a dinner theater experience Um, and also just supporting black business this is just really important to me like Phil being a part of this project and him having such a influential background and like, he's such a, you know, major part of the community and the theatrical community. So um, just finding different people to bring in and like celebrate together, this project has like been really important. But again, it'll be like the end of February and the beginning of March that we'll be running shows. And then I'll turn it over to Philip about his directing process.
1: Sure, thanks, thank thank you, uh, This is, um, I've been doing this type of work for a long time, developing historic characters. I I have a one-man show on African-American poet, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, uh, and uh, I've been touring that for about 40 years. I'm also putting together some information for a documentary on my great aunt Henrietta Helm, whose um, image was recently um, put on the Republic Building downtown in the form of a mural to uh, highlight some of her artistic and educational achievements she taught at a place called the portland colored night school it was for for enslaved people who needed to get an education after the civil war and it was in the portland area of louisville kentucky most people don't know about this but i also uh, own all the artifacts and um and we're looking to put together an amazing piece on that now, my process for directing this play, and I was, you know, I was thankful. I met Helen, and and she uh, encouraged me to consider directing this play. I've directed plays at U of L before, but this has been quite a while. So I was, uh, I was honored that she she asked me to do it, especially because this play is about two real people and their lives and the what was going on in this country. Uh, when this play was uh, set in 1931, was pretty amazing too. So we we're able to incorporate a lot of that into this play in terms of it was tough. It was very tough. So I don't, you know, don't mind that the audience um, squirms a little bit in their seat. Where we are in the process right now is a, is a, is a blocking process for the play, and this is where the actors basically come into the set and learn where they enter where they play the scene and where they exit and and, and then i give them a second time to go through the, the scene and give them some direction on it. it's an amazing process and i'm going to go through the entire play the same way because what i want to do is find all of the. there's a, a lot of jewels in the in the dialogue and in the monologues in this play and not all of it's written some of it's nonverbal and uh, we're going to go in there and find all the wonderful pieces to make everybody in the audience feel this play. So my process is working with the actors and making sure that they understand exactly what is the intentions of the author. And the great thing is Helen's there in every rehearsal. And she's the person who wrote the play. So we're going to honor what she's written to the best of our abilities uh, and make sure the actors are, are understand and are speaking uh, in a manner that the audiences will enjoy and appreciate. We've also had opportunity here, I think with this play, uh, to reach out out, outside of the walls of the University of Louisville and connect with um, people in the community, which is, I think, something that's very important. Uh, And I'm glad that Helen has already done that, by reaching out to the folks, um, on the Bell of Louisville, for instance, is a wonderful place to you know to perform because the Bell of Louisville is actually around during some of that. Same way with Locust Grove. So we're connecting bits and pieces of the community with theater. And I, and I, I find that to be amazing, and I think that's what should be happening. so i'm I'm very very obviously pleased to be a part of that process. And so we're going to block the play. We're going to stage it and then start run-throughs. I'm going to be out of town for a few weeks as well as Helen. We're going to get back after the first of the year and put it all together and plan on performing it in February and perhaps March. And uh, so we have a very brilliant cast of folks. And uh, and everybody's... uh, understands what this journey is going to be because it's more than just about being uh in a theater production it's about connecting a community as well so i'm honored to be a part of that
0: yeah that's uh um, that's uh dope uh, so um let me ask this so you know uh what was the uh the whole um because i know uh well i had to Star War Helen, because I think uh it this would probably be more for you, but where where did the whole motivation um come to uh to tell this story in like a play? Like uh did you wake up randomly one day and was like oh, or or is it something that been on your mind for a while and you just now putting it into action?
2: Yeah, thank you for that question. I think it's it's a bit of both. I've written a couple other works. So playwriting's always been a passion of mine. However, this particular story, um, I was introduced uh, through, again, kind of like happenstance. Um, one of my professors um, at U L had a movement course where we talked about historical period movement. And so we were tasked with finding historical figures in and around the late 1800s and so, We went down to the archives um, at the university library there in the basement, and um, the archivists there were wonderful and really supportive of the projects that we were working on, and so they all kind of threw out different names. There's um, some oral history, African-American oral history archives down there as well, which I know um, Philip has also used when researching his great aunt, Henrietta Helm. And so there's been a real connection to the actual history of the time and then I was recommended by one of the archivists to look into the Blackburns. Um, There was a few other figures, uh, Cassius Clay, Cassius Marcellus Clay, the first not uh, Muhammad Ali or his father but the, the abolitionists they were named after is also from here. So I told the archivist you know hey I'm thinking about researching Cassius a little further and um, his name is Tom and Tom was like, you know, I really think you should look into the Blackburns and not a lot of people know about them. And he kind of gave me just a brief little rundown of their love story and their escape to freedom. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know, so um, it, it started like that. And then um, there's also another UofL alum, um, Brandy Lachey, who's a director over at Locust Grove. And she and I had connected about new works. Um, We had a few meetings discussing what types of stories should be told and how they should be told. And so it kind of evolved. And so we're here now, which is um, really exciting point. Um, You know, it is the world premiere. It is very, uh, it's a big challenge to honestly portray historical figures and do them justice, but it's really exciting. So um, this is actually inspired You know researching other characters and people that existed here that lived in this area um, because California is rich with uh, history but there's something about this place it just you know like American history started here a lot sooner there's obviously the indigenous history that occurred in California um, but as far as having like enslaved um, African Americans in the 1800s, there's really not a lot of information on that, like in my schools and back home in California. So to find, you know, these archives and this, like, it's just so rich with like information. Um, and so that that to me was the inspiration. It's just these are stories that not a lot of people know about. So how can we make these, you know, palatable to a wider audience?
0: Yeah, um, and I'm glad you know. Uh... As I was uh, listening to y'all talk, uh, one thing that came across uh, my mind was, uh, you know, it's very important to have uh, people like yourself and feel, you know, uh, that's constantly thinking about uh, these historical figures that not not, not that's uh, that might not be at the forefront of the ones that first come to mind, like the Malcolm X's and the Martin Luther Kings and things like that, because. Uh, everybody deserves to get their story told. So, and everybody has their own place in history. So to know that there's people out there that's uh, still 10 toes down, researching the history of historical figures that, you know, that uh, people might have heard about once or twice, but never really took the time to really do real deep research or see who these people were. That's uh, pretty dope that you guys are uh, doing that and uh, putting that out to the public, so people can know that uh, the history of of everybody that had a place in history, not just the main people that we that that we hear about every year, or people that have federal holidays and stuff. You know.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that so much, Eric, yeah. uh, because a lot of our history was left out of the history books, as you well know. Um, and it's his story. It's not our story. So, stories like the one that Helen has written is our story. You know, and this is why we need to write these. We need to produce these type of stories because it hasn't uh, it hasn't been done to this point to the degree where it needs to be. Nowhere near. It. So, thank you for saying that.
0: Yeah, and also that gives y'all um, y'all own lane. You know, as far as uh, for future. Uh, works as far as you know, because I'm pretty sure it's other people that y'all got on the back burner for the future. That people haven't uh, told stories about historical uh, figures that y'all can do plays about in the future.
1: Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so.
2: I yeah, I think it's just an excellent like observation that it's. Um you know, as important as, you know, the Malcolm X's, of course, and the Hueys and the Dr. King's, like, we we have to honor and celebrate, you know, the legends that got us where we are today. Uh, but I also feel like, yeah, there's definitely not just, like, people that were ignored, but, like, almost like erased or buried. Um, so mm-hmm. there, Dr. Frost, um, Smarts Frost up in Canada actually um, speaking of buried, their historical home, Lucy and Thornton's, they were excavating um, in Canada and someone came across like what looked like a really old structure. And so the historical society, everyone came in, investigated, archeologists came, they unearthed it. And then they discovered, um, Dr. Smarts Frost actually um, headlined it, that they she came to Louisville, uh, did intensive research here, Detroit and up in Canada. About what essentially what their story was, because it had been kind of lost to history. Um, and so yeah, it's really important the work of unearthing the past and and giving recognition to people that made a difference and what we, you know, the freedoms that we enjoy today. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cause um it's a lot of people, uh, when I have conversations with like a lot of older people and stuff, cause uh I kind of look at like a lot of documentaries and stuff and uh, I hear like a lot of stuff. um, I can't think of the names right now, but a lot of people tell me like, you know, like the people that got names as far as like the Rosa Parks and things like that. People be telling me about people that did stuff that Mm -hmm. the same thing that these that the people that we know. Did but they just didn't get the the recognition, you know, because they're saying that like people was get was sitting down and refusing bus seats way before Rosa Parks, but they never got the recognition because I know a couple of people when I uh, went into the Rosa Parks uh, thing in Montgomery, uh people was telling me like dropping names on me or people that you know they don't get the recognition, but they knew Rosa Parks and they was doing it like way before you know that she was but she was just the one that got the recognition I mean ain't nothing wrong with that but it just just goes to show you how stuff falls through the cracks sometimes
2: yeah I've heard that story and I can't remember the name of the original woman but the leaders of the movement at the time thought that Rosa Parks made like a more I guess, um, attractive person to put, you know, in the front of the movement. Like they used her face and her name and her story. I think the other mm-hmm. woman, um, I wanna say she was like a single mother and and they were like, well, we don't wanna use her as our champion for this cause. So I think that's really interesting that you say that. It is, um, mm-hmm. what I is the saying? history is is written in the eyes of the victor. And yeah, and I don't remember her name. Do you remember the name of the original woman?
0: No, I don't remember. It was a conversation I had like a couple years ago. It just came across my mind that uh you know.
2: Right. Yeah, that's amazing. That makes me want to look it up.
0: (laughs) Wow. But uh so as far as I know, um as far as the this whole play, like um, did you talk to um did y'all have connection with um any of their family? today or did y'all just strictly do research or 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 how did that go about
2: yeah so what's interesting they didn't have children um Lucy and Thornton so um I think that maybe has to do with like the they did have a very close family friend um that they left like so uh, Thornton passed before Lucy um and then they willed the remaining to their family friend but they did not um, at least according to historical records, they did not have children. So um, that has been kind of, I guess, um, it would be nice, yeah, to reach out to one of their descendants. Um, Thorin actually did the um, Underground Railroad. He did the the path in reverse after he got up to Canada to, to get his mother. He came back down and got his mother out. So um, I know that they had family. But that's a really good question. Like, is are there any living relatives? I don't know that. Um, and that, you know, again, with the research that might be something that we uncover later, but yeah, mm-hmm. that, yes. would really yeah. Nice that would be really nice to connect. That would be, that would be. Yeah. Cause it is, it's you know, it's their legacy. It's their family history. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, cause I think of a lot of stories, you know and and there's a lot of successful fams out there and uh, y'all could probably tell me, uh, explain it better mm. than I can just be uh, from the outside looking in. But I see a lot of stories that, you know, get big, get put on uh, big movie budgets and things like that. And then after the movie come out, and then you hear people, family be like, oh, they need to reach out or anything like that. So I always feel like, you know, uh, I mean, I know something in some situations it's not possible, but mm-hmm. I just like, um, feel like, you know, uh, if it is possible, you know, like it, it, it you can't uh, go wrong with the authentic feel because, you know, the family going to tell tell it to you how it is, you know.
2: Right. Yeah, I know that's so true. Um, I know that there are living abolitionists, like descendants from abolitionists that helped Lucy and Thorin here in Louisville and in the community. So um, one of the goals is to reach out to that family um, and kind of offer in the program, maybe like if they're comfortable with it, kind of just some homage and and giving name and recognition to what their family has done. Um, because yeah, it was a network of, of people, you know, and. And I think what's interesting about the abolitionists, whether they were freed um, African-Americans that were enslaved and then freed, or if they were Caucasian um, abolitionists, either way, um, it was illegal to help. And so a lot of these names are unknown. A lot of their identities are hidden, but we do know um, the names of some of the people that helped. So that, and that's something Philip and I discussed is like, can you imagine like being helped smuggled to freedom, and then you can't even you know tell people like this family saved my life. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things about slavery I didn't think about until doing this project. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's heavy <laughs> to say that it least. is. It's very yeah. heavy. Yes, mm-hmm. very emotional.
0: Very emotional. Yeah, it is. Um, Just, uh... So. Um... Uh, did you guys have uh, anything else that you wanted to tell the people about the uh, the play, and also uh, just uh, list some things that you wanted to accomplish mm-hmm. with uh, putting this out to the people, and uh, also uh, if you got any future things going on, things like that, just dive into that and let people know how to find you on social media and things like that.
2: Thank you. Do you want to go ahead, Philip, or do you like me to go first? you can go ahead go ahead okay go first, yeah so um as far as like the last minute things about the play um we will be advertising um both on the radio and in print uh so there will be more information i'll definitely share some with you to share with your viewers i honestly um as far as like future projects are concerned we philip has um, the opportunities out in la i'm still working on my mfa and so one of the, um, my thesis is coming up next year. And so one of the interests that I'm really focusing on right now is like these auto-ethnographic biographies talking about not only like, I want to research other enslaved narratives as well and tell those stories, but also my own and my family history. Um, I, I know a lot about my family history, but I don't know unfortunately a lot of enslaved Um, didn't have records. So, you know, we've done some like ancestry um, research, but I really want to dig into that. Um, And that's also kind of parallels the work that Philip is doing with Henrietta Helm, his great aunt. Um, And I think that is really like the crux of of all the things I want to do moving forward. I do still want to pursue a professional career in acting. And that is a passion of mine, and I still consider myself an actress first and foremost. But as a playwright, I feel like the focus of my work um, is going to be around these types of narratives, and exploring—if not just, you know, not just the enslaved populations, but any oppressed population—because um, there's stuff like this happening today. It might not be the same exact narrative, but there are similarities and oppressions and injustices, you know, as you know, that occur all the time. So I think that that's um, my goal is like creating political theater, creating, you know, activated theater that's trying to um, kind of call the audience to action and say, you know, let's look at this, let's um, kind of digest and interpret like how we can, a mirror to like how we can be better, how can we do better? Because there's some horrors of slavery that we talk about in the play that, and like Philip said, I I don't want to make people uncomfortable, but I also feel like being honest about our history instead of kind of, you know, making it look nice um, is important. I think if we cover up how atrocious it was, how hard, how difficult it was for the enslaved, we're doing a disservice um to those that came before us, so yeah, and I'll let Philip kind of take his part too
1: Well, that was it was nice I feel very very much the same as you, Helen. um and I tell you, I hope that um, this play will encourage other people also to look in their family histories and and find these wonderful stories because they're there. they're there somewhere and um and they're the ones that we don't see in our current history books uh they're the ones that we don't read in our in our humanities books but they're there and they're important and they're important to us and not just when i say us i'm not just talking about our race i'm talking about us as, as a nation because uh, this this these, these are real people these are real people's lives and um uh, i'm just thankful to have the opportunity to bring uh Lucy and Thornton's life uh, make make it real to people and the people who are in the audience. They're gonna know who these people were, and they're gonna know some other additional information about what was going on in t- during this time period in America because it was a lot of really kind of just really difficult time for the slaves, especially. So we're gonna we're gonna bring all that out, and I want everybody to come out and see it. When they have an opportunity, I would like to encourage people to come see it and and to realize that they have stories in their own lives similar to this or different but similar because we were all, all of our ancestors were enslaved people. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when y'all um, anticipate to drop this, uh... Are y'all just doing an in-person um, thing for people to come see it or is it going to be on screaming services or how's that, how's that going?
2: So initially it will be a live performance. However, um, as far as like recording the actual play of the stage version, I don't think that that is something that we would be like putting out into the public. However, there is the the screenplay and the film project that Essentially, like when we wrap with this, we can begin um, and maybe do another interview with you and talk about that. Um, but yeah, yes, that but, yeah. Go ahead, Philip.
1: No, I was just gonna say that would be great because you know after we get this one together, then we could, because the similar kind of research and work to put together this play, it would be similar to put together the film script or a, you know uh, something that we then can film and bring in more components of the story as well.
2: Yeah, so just like a little rundown of like, um, and this, you know, to shout out our production team as well. Um, There are a number of elements in theater that are not technically in film and you can kind of blend and merge those elements. Um, However, a lot of liberties uh, that you can take in film are kind of difficult in theater. For example, um, the riot uh, in Detroit to, Accomplish, you know, having a courtroom with a bunch of like, you know, additional actors that are rioting and you know the chaos to to like really facilitate that on stage. Um, and this is where like the script would vary. Um, a theatrical interpretation of one event might vary on camera. Um, with the camera, you can do a lot with setting that you can't really do on stage. Um, and so um, it won't. It'll be the same story. But it'll just be kind of a different medium, and so it's that's a little bit of an adjustment and a process. But um, we do feel like, yeah, I I would say like mid spring we'll start working on the film version. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, this is a uh, pretty uh, dope, interesting uh story. You know, I like looking at uh historical things as far as like uh what's that movie called? Like uh, similar like uh. Mississippi Mississippi burning with uh Eggers uh what's, what's that about Eggers
1: Mayor M- uh I mean Acker.
0: yeah uh, I forgot that dude's name uh, but yeah I like looking at stuff like that with uh historical black people that's that doesn't have the the biggest names as far as like the people that we talked about before. So, um, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a dope play and uh, everybody's going to enjoy it. And uh, when it went, when y'all uh, wrap it up and put it out to the public. And uh, also, uh, you know, um, anytime, you know, y'all, you guys want to uh, come on a uh, podcast, you know, I record all the time. So, y'all, uh, all y'all have to do is uh, hit me up. Uh, I record almost. <laughs> every week you know so just uh just let me know when y'all uh, want to do it and uh also uh let uh um any last words you you guys want to tell the people and uh also uh let people know how to uh keep up with you guys as far as uh, social media and things like that
2: yeah so i am at the shining light of god it's all the normal spelling, the shining light of God on Instagram. And you'll find my email and contact information there. And you're welcome to message me with any questions if you wanna be involved in the process or the project. Um, we are open to local businesses, Black-owned businesses, really anyone that has a desire um, to participate in the project. And um, I'll throw it over to you, Philip.
1: Yeah, and, and you, can, you can, people can just go to Google and put in my name, Philip two L's, Cherry, two R's, C-H-E-R-R-Y, and then I, I have IMDB and all the information of my, that I just um, explained regarding my education work, a lot of that's there, some examples of my acting work is there, and uh, so it's, it's quite a bit of information there on my work over this period of time. I would encourage people to do that, and I also like to say to everybody, have a safe and holiday, a safe holiday season, um, and, and just remember to love each other. You know, keep the love, keep the love.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate both of y'all uh, coming on the uh, podcast. This is kind of uh, a little different because I uh, I really don't come across a lot of uh, actors or movie directors they're often usually uh everybody i interviewed in the past is either a platinum selling artist or a up-and-coming music artist business owner or author
2: oh nice
0: so i think uh um, i always said that like authors uh actors and uh movie directors is kind of like one of those fields that you will hear like a lot of people talk about because you don't run across those people as often it's like athletes and things like that so I feel like uh those are like the most challenging uh fields the ones you don't hear about or come across that much
2: yeah thank you and honestly yeah like just watching some of your past work um and your other podcasts yeah it's really cool and I love that you're kind of crossing over and working in different, you know, sectors and interviewing different types of people. I think that's really awesome. But thank you, Same Eric. Yeah. Thank
1: you very much.
0: Yep. And uh, just, uh, uh, well, are y'all cool with dropping this in uh, February or or uh, how, how y'all want to go about it?
2: Yeah, we can drop it in February, and then all sure. um, what I'll do is I can even send you like the show dates and info and everything. Then that way you can you know add it to the the podcast itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, appreciate you,
1: Eric. Yep. And
0: your work very important. Yep. And uh, yeah, this uh concludes uh. uh Another episode of Air J the Great podcast. Uh, everybody, uh, appreciate the support. Almost at uh, 3,000 subscribers on YouTube. And I uh, uh, want everybody to go check out the, the Rez Deshaun interview, uh, Shawty Low Jr. Uh, interview. And uh, be on the lookout for the uh, little flip interview that drops the day after Christmas. Uh, I just interviewed him yesterday, so uh, be on the lookout for uh, more future content. I appreciate everybody that's uh, been supporting the podcast. Bye.